I want to say this morning that while Miss Vicky is playing a beautiful melody before the Lord our God, I want to say to Marquise and Zora, you got six hours on a bus all the way back to Mobile. Take the Lord Jesus Christ with you. Remember him and his goodness. Marquise, a young lady your age this week, 19 years old, went to go be with the Lord. No one knew that this child would leave this world, especially in the condition that she did. Love Jesus with all of her heart, young Aurora and Capatra. A freak accident. And what was so sad, she was on the phone with her brother and told him there's something wrong with the car, it's shaking. When the tire blew out, hit the guardrail and made a quick 90 degree turn and went over the middle, the media, the guardrail, the car was airborne. Went across the southbound lane. And the rest we know, this history, she died instantly. She was planning a mission trip to, to Israel. She wasn't going to walk across the stage with her graduation class. She was going to Israel and into Jordan. One of the statements that she told her youth leader when they asked her, what was her decision going to be if she was going to stay and graduate with her graduating class and or go into Israel? And she came back very quickly with the answer. She said, why should I walk across a stage when I can go and walk in the place where my Lord Jesus walked? <laughs> you know... That's, that's awesome. She's Zora's age, Marquise's age. I mean, this child loved Jesus with all her heart. And her best friend I talked to there Friday, I was happened to be part of the memorial service. And uh, it wasn't long ago, just a few days before Aurora died. I was outside here and she drove by and stopped because she seen me outside. And her and her best friend was in the car and they rolled down the window and they were screaming, hi, Pastor Sammy. And I ran over to the car and shook their hands and told them I love them. And little did any of us know that that will be the last time on earth we would see that precious little jewel. But she was ready. And the question today, before we even get into the Word of God, are you ready to meet Jesus? Have you truly had your sins pardoned and washed away by the blood of the Lamb? I was looking at the Word of God a couple of days ago in the aspect of where John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why did John have to say that to a nation that knew God above all other nations on earth? Because they didn't realize as Abraham's seed, they needed to be saved. And John the Baptist told him at the 
Jordan River, when he was down there baptized and telling them to be baptized for the remission of their sins, he was telling them, he said, look, don't come down here thinking that you're Abraham's bloodline. Why? Because the ax is already laid at the root of the tree to cut it down. And he told him, he said, come, come with fruits of repentance. He said, why? Why? He said, because there's one who stand among you that's greater than me. One who is not worthy to loose the straps on his sandals. He will baptize you, he said, even though I baptize you with water. He said, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And that his whittling fan is already with him. And he will take and separate the sheep, I mean, the, the wheat from the chaff. And the chaff will be burned with unquenchable fire. That means the fires of hell will never go out. And the chaff represents ungodly people who are not saved. And the wheat represent those, he said, he will gather in his what? In his barns. That's heaven. Those are the saints of God who have fallen to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And you remember in his very first sermons, known as the Sermon on the Mount, Lord Jesus Christ said these words. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, I know, Dick, you got to go. And it's now time for y'all to exit. But to God be the glory, Father, in the name of Jesus. See them back to Mobile safely and bring them back to us again in Jesus' name. And so, continue to play. As they're exiting out the door, our hearts are, are pricked a little bit that our babies are gone, but they're not going to a secular university. They're going to a Christian university. Amen? Amen. University of Mobile, a Christian school. So they're in good hands. Amen? And so we thank God that we had them just for a few days. If you turn with me to the book of Acts, we're going to pick up, believe it or not, back into the preaching series in the book of Acts. It's been some weeks since we've been there, and we see Sister Shauna here too, and God bless you. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord. The Lord God blessed us tremendously on Thanksgiving Day. I mean, we had so much food. We still got food. Everybody freezing. Refrigerators are packed out. And we still got food in the freezer back there. To God be the glory. One of the wonderful things that I was sharing with Sister Vicky this morning that came out of uh, Thanksgiving, we met a family from the great outdoors that the great outdoors had turned them back because they didn't have reservations and we invited them to come here and come to find out they were Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay? And they turned right in and start serving. The guy drove me around while we delivered meals to people and he looked for the opportunity to share the gospel with people. And then he went out by himself. He said, Pastor, I think I know where to go. And he took meals himself out there into our community. In the name of Jesus. Give, yeah. Look at the Lord Jesus Christ. He was at work. I'm telling you, we had so much fun, even though we were so tired in the end. But we knew that God had showed up in a big way. And also Channel 20 News showed up. 
Where's little CJ at? I want to test her. CJ, you did something so noble that your own pastor's heart was convicted for not doing it. The whole weekend, my heart was convicted. When the reporter asked me, she said, what is it that you have to be thankful for the most? And I kept saying, I thank God for my health, my family, and my community. When in fact, I, God had given me an audience to say, I thank God for Jesus. I failed the Lord on that, but this baby didn't. He stunned the reporter when he said, I thank God for God. <laughs> he told me, he said, I thank God for God. And her mouth went. Momentarily, she was stung. And that, brother, is a testimony to your heart for the Lord Jesus Christ and for God himself above your pastor. And I kept saying, Lord God, forgive me for what I've done. You gave me an audience and I didn't take advantage of it. And so CJ, God bless you, man. God bless you. And so, but everybody pitched in. There was no fighting. It was just absolutely a beautiful time, Deacon. It was a glorious time. A gentleman the day before heard me talking over in the barbershop. I took some stuff over. And I don't know what Brother Ron them told him. And the guy said they look like an ordinary guy that worked hard. Okay? A few minutes later, here's this guy come over wearing a yellow reflectorized vest. I, I, I come in and say, I like what you're doing here. And he began to give a testimony about how he was five years old and they didn't have enough food at times in their house and how they had to depend on other people to eat. And now he's a business owner. He said, I'd like to help you out here a little bit. He said, is that all right? I'm going, sure. He said, you got a pen? I gave him a pen. He wrote a check for a thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean, you see God at work in various ways, and, and we cannot discount that. Amen? Amen. To God be the glory. As we go back into the Word of God in a few minutes, I want you to understand something that's taking place here. Do you all remember reading in Acts chapter 9 about the Apostle Paul conversion? You remember Paul was a killer of the church of Jesus Christ. He harassed Christians. He went out, he had letters from the high priest to go and arrest anyone who said they was of the way, because that's what we were called then, not Christians. We were called the way, because Jesus said what? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one come to the Father except to me. And so Paul was out arresting saints. Guess what? He met Jesus. When he was on that road to Damascus, he had no idea that he was going to meet Jesus face to face in the spirit. Even though his physical eyes were blind, his spiritual eyes did what? Saw and heard him. They, he saw his glory and heard his voice speak. And then went to Damascus and met a brother named Ananias who the Lord God had given him instruction. Jesus told him, hey, he's a chosen vessel of mine. Even Ananias said, Lord, have you heard what this man is doing to your people? 
<laughs> he was scared. But God took control. She's going to be all right, Shelly. And so, as I'm thinking, looking at this, one of the things that Lord Jesus Christ said to Paul that day, and here's what you all have to get to, because if Jesus has given you a promise, you can take it to the bank that he's going to bring it to what? To pass. He's going to fulfill that promise to you. Here's what Jesus told Paul. He said, Paul, he called them Saul. The Hebrews were the one later start calling him Paul. But Jesus called them Saul. He said, Saul, you're going to speak before kings. He said, you're going to speak before leaders. And you're going to speak before my people Israel. And you're going to speak before Gentiles. In other words, the world is yours, Paul. You're going to speak to them on my behalf. Paul has now been arrested. Folks, he's on the last leg of his journey on earth. But he doesn't know that. We know it because we read the story. He's on his last journey. And I believe as time gets further and he's in that Roman prison, as he wrote to Timothy, he does realize it. He said, I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering. That means he's ready to die. He said, my time is what? Is at hand. The time of my departure is at hand. I have finished my race. Okay? And I'm ready to be offered up as a drink offering. So he knew it was time for him to go home. And uh, this is the beginning of what Jesus had promised that brother. He said that you will stand before kings. In order for him to do that, he had to be arrested. He has been arrested, folks. Listen. Just because tragedy comes upon you and me, it doesn't mean our Lord doesn't love us. Okay? It means that Jesus Christ has you and I more than ever. Remember this as we get ready to go to the Lord in prayer. Remember this. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gave a very stern warning to his children. Do not fear him who's able to destroy the body only. Okay? But fear him who's able to destroy both body and soul. Where? In hell. He's talking about God. Fear God. If there's anybody you want to be afraid of, be afraid of God. But don't be afraid of man or any other devil in hell because they can only destroy your body, but they can't take your soul. And so now, if I can get this right here, not knock over these stands, God is on our side. God is on our side. We literally have to hang in there and we have to persevere. This whole chapter is about us holding fast to the testimony of Jesus Christ in the face of opposition. And you're going to watch this brother stand up before a hostile crowd. 
a crowd that's ready to pull him apart limb by limb. If the Roman soldiers had not rescued him, they would have literally pulled his body apart right there in the temple court. Now these are the people that are supposed to be drawing people to God. And yet, they're ready to kill him because he speaks the truth of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed, I want you to think now, tough times are ahead for the church, people. It's not going to get better for Christians. It's not going to get better for the way. Times are going to get really, really, really bad for us. The enemy does not like us because he does not like our God and he does not like our Lord Jesus Christ. And because we bear the name of Jesus, he does not like us. But don't be afraid. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you now asking you, dear Lord, to forgive us for our sins. We acknowledge our sins for they are ever before us and we cry out to you, O God, and asking you to be merciful, to be gracious. And Father, we also thank you for the blood of Jesus. If it had not been for Jesus, no flesh would be saved. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. You are absolutely the only way that anyone can come to the Father. You are the gate, the door to God himself. Your body is the entranceway into God's kingdom. Unless a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl come to you, he cannot, cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so this day, Lord, we're thankful. As you prepared our hearts to hear the gospel, Lord, not only search us out by the gospel, but Lord, write your word upon the table of our hearts so that we will not sin against you. Forgive me for sinning against you, Lord. Have your way today, Lord, by your spirit. Speak to your children for your children are listening. And dear God, Israel is on fire right now. Fires are burning uncontrollably in the nation of Israel. And Lord, will you send down rain now? Will you supernaturally quench that fire? Extinguish it, O oh God, so that it will cause no further damage in the name of Jesus. And let Israel know, Lord, we pray that you love them and care for them and that we love them and care for them because they are your chosen people. And we're praying for the peace of Jerusalem. And dear God, our Lord, have mercy upon these United States. And Lord, will you anoint our new president-elect and his family? Will you bring them to Jesus? Lord, he held up the Bible, said that he's bringing the word of God back to the White House. I believe him. And Lord, send advisors to this man that know Jesus. Not one that have an understanding of godliness, but one who know for sure by the Holy Ghost that Jesus is Lord. To lead and guide this man on your path of righteousness and give him wisdom from on high to lead our country as well as all of our leaders. 
And now, God, we're asking you for the salvation of the lost in our town, High Springs. Be merciful to us, God. We need you. And now, Father, speak by your spirit, for your children are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. We got a lot of folks out sick today. May the Lord our God heal them. As the word of God says in Psalms 107, and he sent his, he sent his word and healed them. We're praying that now, Father, in the name of Jesus. Send your word to Brother David, Miss Marie, my wife, and any others that are struggling right now with a physical ailment in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And Father, we're also asking you to touch certain family members that are supposed to be here that are not here. And without having to call out in a name to embarrass people, Father, you know who they are in Jesus' name. Bring them back, dear God. And for the family that we just met, Brother Lawrence, I don't know his wife naming their kids. The, but anyway, Lord, desperately need the hand of the Lord upon their family. A new family we met, uh, and they spent Thanksgiving with us. We're praying from uh, Acts chapter 22. It is the physician Luke who is writing this very long letter to his dear friend Theophilus. Uh, Luke is the one who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And this is maybe his second letter, could be possible to be the first letter, we don't know. But anyway, combined together, the gospel that, that this brother wrote may contain more than all the gospels combined. And we're a very long letter. You can tell it took this brother some time. And, and he's, he's describing in detail what's happening with the Apostle Paul right now. And... Of, of all the writers of the scripture, Luke focuses on all of the disciples in which the Spirit told him to. And he also shown that not only is Jesus the Son of God, not only Jesus is the King of all the earth, but Jesus is absolutely superior to all creation. And that he's coming back uh, again. Okay? And not only does Luke do that, but Luke is describing to you and I through the mouth of the apostles, how the church is supposed to live in a modern day time. In their day, it would have been considered modern day time. Amen? Amen. And so for every generation that comes by, the word of God is applicable for the modern day time of its time. Does that make sense? Okay? Otherwise, it doesn't get old. It's not outdated. And it is powerful. Why? Because it is the living word of God. Okay, so listen now, Paul is standing before a crowd, probably at this time, hundreds and maybe thousands have gathered in the temple complex because this was one of the high feast days there in Jerusalem. So you had people in from all around the world and, and actually this is Passover time. So you know there's probably two, three, maybe four million people in Jerusalem right now because Jerusalem itself is a metropolis. Even in the day of Paul, it had over a million people. So now in the center of Jerusalem was the temple complex. And they're all gathered there now. And for a man to be arrested, accusing of bringing a Gentile into the court, into, you know, there was a section that was laid out specifically for Gentiles, but they said 
Paul had brought the person in further beyond the court of the Gentiles and therefore defiling the temple and they are angry. You see, they care more about a structure than they did the person. That's a powerful message for you and I today. Don't care more about the building called the church than you do about people. Okay? Because the people are the... There you go. So Paul is standing up. It's good to see Greg in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in Hebrew language, at this point in time, the common language of the day was, was Greek. The Romans spoke Greek, even though they were Latin speakers, they spoke Greek. And Greek was the common language of the day for everybody to come in and speak. But there was also another language in which the Jews spoke, besides Hebrew, they also spoke Aramaic. And Aramaic was just a different dialect of, of Hebrew. You got it, Miss Gigi. I heard that. It, it was just, it's like Brother Amelia being his ancestors from Mexico going over to Spain and talking. It's a different dialect. That's all Aramaic and Hebrew is. Okay? But anyway, Paul is speaking the native tongue of his people. And by the way, the word Hebrew translated means beyond the river. Okay? And that river was the Euphrates River because the, Abraham came out of the city of Ur, okay? Which was way beyond the Euphrates River. A little bit of history there for you. Um, so he's now speaking in Hebrew to the crowd. And that must have got, got their attention because here's another thing that you're going to see in this message that Paul was not a native of Israel. He was a Jew born outside of Israel. And therefore, he will have been called a Hellenistic Jew. Hellenistic means a Greek speaking Jew who also knew his native folks' tongue. Okay, that's pretty cool, isn't it? He was bilingual and possibly even more than two languages. So then he said, I am indeed a what? Jew. He said, I am a Jew. That should have gotten their attention, okay? Born in Tarsus of Sicily, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. Let me tell you who Gamaliel is. You remember when early after the day of Pentecost, Peter and John was preaching the gospel and laying hands on people and they were being saved and they got arrested. And they would have done more harm to John and Peter had Gamaliel spoke up. He was the one that was sitting on the council that said, if this thing is from men, it will do what? It will pass. But if it's from God, how can you fight against God and win? He said, let these men alone. That was Paul's teacher. And nowadays, in modern day time, we would have called him a professor of the law. 
Okay, he'd have been teaching law school. And Gamaliel wasn't just a teacher, but Gamaliel was the top teacher of his day. Do y'all hear me? So Paul was taught by the best of the best. That's why he knew so well the law. So he says, sat under the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law. In other words, every dot and every cross of a letter, Paul knew. And not only did he know it verbatim, he lived it. Now that makes a difference. Most of us, we know stuff, but we don't necessarily. Okay? But this brother, he did. If you don't believe me, go over in the book of Philippians and you'll see Paul gives his resume there. Then he goes on to tell them, and was zealous towards God as you are today. Now, did he slam them and say, whoa, what are you doing? He actually complimented the crowd. Did you see that? He complimented them. He said, I was zealous of our God just like you are today. Okay? And which is a tip, uh, Brother Jones, for us when we go out witnessing the people. Instead of jumping down people's throat for not walking like we walk and know what we know about God, find the common things that they do know and compliment them on it. Because you know what that'll do? That'll help draw them in. Okay? And so Paul is saying, look, I understand, you know, I sympathize with you. I know what you got. I got that same kind of feeling. Because you remember, Paul was on a, on a mule on his way to Damascus to do what? Arrest Christians. So he had that same kind of zeal that these people have. So he understands. And then he goes on to tell them, I persecuted this way to the death. Do y'all remember the first deacon? What was the first deacon name in the Bible in the church? Stephen. What did they do to Stephen? They stoned him. They stoned him. You betcha. And guess who was standing there holding those people coats as they stoned Stephen? Saul was standing there consenting to Stephen's death. He said, binding and delivering into prison both men and women. Sisters, it didn't matter to Paul. If you believe in Jesus, he was grabbing you by the locks of your hair and dragging you off to Jerusalem to stand trial so that you can be executed. He did not care. Okay? Verse 5, as also the high priest bears me witness and all the counsel of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were there to Jerusalem to be what? Punished. To be punished. So he said, I was a bad dude. Mm -hmm. So I was going to wipe out this thing called the way. But Jesus Christ had other plans for this brother, didn't he? And we're so glad. In verse 6, now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon. Suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. Is he giving his testimony right now? Yeah. He's saying to the Jews, I was just like you until that day. 
So when we are witnessing to other people, remember our lives were once just like yeah. Hello. So we should be able to sympathize with sinners and say, yeah, they just do this, 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 and this. Okay, uh, before your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, what was you? Right. <laughs> Amen. Because I know what I, I was like, and still occasionally the Lord had to slap me upside the head. Any witnesses? Mm -hmm. All right, we're tracking. <laughs> And then he said, not happen as a journey. He's seen this light, right? In verse seven, he said the light, verse six in the end, he said this great light shone all around him like a spotlight. And it got his attention. Not only did it get his attention, but it got the attention with his entourage that was with him. Okay. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? Why did he call him Lord then? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Did he really persecute Jesus? Yes. But let me tell you, when folks do you and me harm, guess who they're doing harm to? God. Jesus. Oh, God. Good answer. Do you think they're going to get away with by harming Jesus? No. This is an example to show that the world will not get away with harming God's children. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were what? Afraid. But they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. And that, that, that's that, to me, that, that always blows my mind that this great light that shined from heaven got Paul's attention, got the men's attention that was with him, but they did not hear Jesus' voice. Only Saul did. That blows my mind that I could go out witnessing or be preaching, and all of a sudden, 10, 15 people get saved, but not everybody in the room unsaved gets saved. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost, when he shows up, you already know who he's going to choose. I want that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, and the rest of me, he just leave them. He already know why. We don't get to ask, Lord, why didn't you say that one? <laughs> when you become God, you can answer that. Which you'll never ask, right? So I said, what shall I do, Lord? That's the best response anyone can have to the gospel message. Lord, what shall I do? Now, at this point in time, can you imagine this crowd? Is there listening to this? I wonder what's going through their minds that they're hearing this story like you what? A light shone down from heaven just on you? And then you alone heard the voice and now this voice from heaven is talking to you and you're talking back to it and y'all are in dialogue y'all having a conversation you're having feedback with each other I imagine this crowd now I can see the anger boiling in them now yeah, he's out of his what mind 
Now, need I remind you, just years earlier, they had said the same thing about our Savior. <laughs> Remember in Nazareth when he was performing miracles and he was preaching the gospel? And his own family came up there and the crowd turned to his family and said, Get him. He's out of his mind. They literally said that. He's out of his mind. Get him. His own mama and brothers showed up. And even his brothers didn't believe, Steve. That's something else, isn't it? And so here we have it. So what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to me, arise. I want to stop there with that verb. Arise. Get up. Folks, miracles don't happen in your lives because when Jesus called, you don't get up. People are not delivered because they don't get up when Jesus calls. First thing he does is get our attention, and that is arise. What did God do to Abraham? You remember in Genesis chapter 1, he told Abraham to do what? Get up and leave your family. Leave your country. Leave them behind. That's another form of saying, arise, Abraham. Get up and go to a place that I will show you. Today, in the 21st century, we're too doggone busy to hear God's voice. Lord, I got this and this and this and this and this to go. Say amen, Sister Shelley. That's right, I do. <laughs> Where? Say amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Pastor Sammy, amen. We get too busy to hear God's voice at times. And you know what? It was really sad. I want to chase that rabbit for just a second, if you don't mind. Is that we'll pray to God for certain things. Hear me carefully. We'll pray to God consistently for something to happen, right? And God has sent the answer already. And he has answered us over and over and over again. But we don't hear the answer. Why? Because we are too busy. Church folks are the most busiest folks I know. We're busy doing a whole lot of things, but it profits us nothing. Amen. When you look at the final analysis of it, it profits us nothing. Okay? Enough on that rabbit hunt, rabbit chase. So he's, he's answering the Lord, and the Lord told him, Arise and go to Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. 
And since I could not see for the glory of that light, the glory of Christ, Jesus came to Paul. Jesus came in the atmosphere. And he was there. His glory was shining. And Paul said, I couldn't see him for his what? Glory. Folks, newsflash. That's what's going to break the eastern sky. The glory of Christ. Amen. When he popped that sky open with his glory, all darkness will what? Disappear. And that's going to be a sight to see. The sight that you've been waiting to see for a very long time. Everybody going to see it. Amen. And they're going to look up and there he is. And so he said, I couldn't see for the what? For the light. Being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. And now he has to be led by, like a little child. He couldn't see. This man that was so bad. Now he was, pardon the expression, kicking butt against the church, right? Yes. And now he's having to be carried around like a little child. You tell me who's the greatest. Jesus or man? Jesus. I don't care how powerful army may be, it only takes Jesus to defeat it. That's right. Amen. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man, according to what? To the law. Now I want I want to stop there. Did any of you all ever pay attention to that particular phrase in that sentence? A devout man according to the law. I know you all have read this more than once. Tamara, you've read it. Chandler, you've read it. Miss Gigi, you've read it over the years. You read it, Brother Amelia. All you all have read this, most of you anyway, and even the young kids here. They surprised me what they were reading. You know, go, whoa, you know that? And Greg shocked the socks off of me just now. And uh listen. But he said he was a devout man, Brother Jones, according to the law. What does that mean? That he was a powerful Jewish man under the Jewish religion. That's right. That he knew for certain, according to his fathers, that God is God. Amen. And he lived according to the law, but yet he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. How? He was in another country. He was in Syria. But yet he knew about Jesus. If you remember reading in the fourth gospel, consistently over and over again, wherever Jesus would gather, people would come from where? From Syria down to where he would be what? Preaching and healing. So that's how they got the gospel in Syria. Because folks heard about this one named Jesus and they showed up. I wonder if you, you all will show up if you hear about Jesus. <laughs> Y'all looking at me like, well, you think we're here, Willis? <laughs> Amen. I know you're here because you love Jesus. Okay? Now, so he's there. Something amazing is about to happen with Ananias, this great devout man of God. Listen, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there. So, uh, this is important for you and I to understand here. This is a Jew who now is a Christian or a member of the way, and yet he's still friends with Jews. Mm -hmm. 
Did he separate himself? No. Because he believed in the Messiah, he stayed there as a witness. We need to stop moving it out of our communities when we get saved. Don't change jobs because you get saved, okay? Don't change schools because you get saved. Remain where you are as a witness. Okay? And that's what this man is doing. You see that, Junior? He is a witness in his what? Community. And so it tells you and I, he say, there came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul. Now this had to be something called, remember now, this is the same Ananias that was afraid. And yet, now, <laughs> under the guidance of the Holy Ghost and at the command of Lord Jesus Christ, he is now facing this man face to face. Most of us in the flesh was like, we got him now, let's kill him. Mm -hmm. Okay, he won't hurt us again. No, he walked up and he said what? Brother Saul. They didn't say you enemy of the church. He said, brother Saul. Only Jesus can do that. Amen. That made deep blush. Look at him. Brother Saul. Then he goes on to say, receive your. Now that's powerful. This is not one of the 12 apostles. Hello. This wasn't one of the brothers that was there during the day of Pentecost and were filled with the Holy Ghost. This is a brother who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and was filled with the Spirit by Jesus himself. And he's speaking a word of healing. Receive your sight. That's the same word that you could say, Junior. That's the same word you can say, Shana, to your patience. Okay? In the name of Jesus, receive your sight. Okay? I witness miracle after miracle in people's lives because the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's power in the name of? Uh-oh, there goes my grandbaby sitting there. She said, Jesus. Amen. Just made a blush too. Now, look at this. Uh, we still got two more hours to go, so everybody stretch out a little bit. The Lord is in this house. <laughs> All right. Look at this. He said, receive your sight, and at that same hour, I what? Looked at him. Now, this man was blind for three days. You hear me? It was almost like he was dead for three days. And here, Lord Jesus Christ gave this man his sight back. Jesus can do whatever he wants to. So he received the sight. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his what? His will. And see the what? Just one and hear the voice of his what? Mouth. Now that's powerful. Did you hear the prophecy just, that was just told this man? That the God of our fathers have chosen you to see the just one, that's Jesus, and to hear the words of his what? Of his mouth. Paul, you are going to supernaturally lay eyes on Jesus and you're going to hear his voice. Amen. 
And through the book of Acts, we know that time when Paul went to a place to preach, even in some of his letters, Jesus told him, said, Paul, do not fear, for I have many, I have many people in this town. Remember when he was on one of his missionary journeys and he came up, Jesus told him, he said, do not be afraid, for I have many people in this town. Now, isn't that something? Did he not hear the voice of Jesus? Yes. Is God not fulfilling his promise to this man? Yes. Does he go about doing the Lord's work? Yes. And let me tell you, that brother went through pure hell. Every place he went, they were trying to kill him. And now they're trying to kill him again. Okay? So, he's there. Verse 15. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting? Junior, Paul would leave and go down into Arabia. Today we call it Saudi Arabia because the Saudi family purchased it many years ago. He went down there and he stayed three years. He said, I didn't go up to Jerusalem with the other apostles. He said, I went to Arabia for three years where the Lord Jesus Christ himself taught Paul everything he needed to know. Isn't it interesting to see that Jesus taught the disciples for how many years? Three years. He taught Paul for how many years? Three years. Isn't that something? And seminary is based upon the length of years that Jesus taught his disciples. Seminary is three years. For me, 97 semester hours, that's three years. That's a long time studying the Bible. But it's worth it. And so, but, uh, 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 Ananias said, arise. That's twice we've seen that word, isn't it? In other words, God, when God tells you something to do, Shelly, stop sitting down. Get up off your duffel bag and do what the Lord tells you to do. Oh, amen. So it says what? Arise and be what? Baptized. And wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And the Apostle Paul will later write, Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. We're tracking now. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance. Okay. Now, if you go to John, I mean, Acts chapter 10, you'll find out that Peter also fell in a trance. The same Greek word is, is, is used there. What does that mean? Miss, Miss, Miss Vicky, this is your time to go to school before the Lord. Are you ready to be a student of God right now? That meant that when you're praying in the spirit, all of a sudden you find yourself no longer in control of yourself. Amen. You now find yourself in another place, in another dimension, in the spirit world. Literally. 
Anybody ever been there? And all of a sudden, you begin to hear things and see things that you've never been shown before in your life. Fulfilling the prophecy in Jeremiah 31.1, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things in which you did not know. Point that sister good, ain't she? And so that's what's happening to Paul. He's in a trance now. In other words, it's, he's locked in the spirit, right? He's locked in the spirit. And saw him saying, oh, well, he's looking at Jesus now. He said, and I saw him saying, what? To me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly. For they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Otherwise, to the nations. Tell me, does Jesus know what he's doing with us? Yes. No matter how bleep your situation may seem, no matter how dark the hour may be, guess who's in charge of your destiny? Jesus, Jesus is. Okay? And, and a lot of you have hit tough times and you have witnessed the Lord Jesus Christ bringing you through those tough times. Amen? Guess what? Tougher times are ahead. These babies, they're too young to know anything about tough times, but as the Lord give them days, they will experience tough times, okay? And the Lord Jesus Christ will bring them through it just like he brought you and I through it, just like he brought Paul, what, through it. And now, he just gave his testimony to the Jewish audience. Are you all ready to see the reaction of this Jewish audience towards him? And let me tell you, there's no difference in those folks acting crazy against Paul in his day than what they will act towards you and I this day in these United States. Or any other country that you may live in around the world. Okay doesn't matter if you were popular or you're rich or poor. Once you receive Jesus and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord, things in this world changes for you. You no longer are a friend of the world. You are now an enemy of the world because you're a friend of God. And James chapter 4 said, whosoever is a friend of this world is an enemy of God. Hello. Is anybody getting this now? So this brother is demonstrating now that the world is his enemy because he is a friend of God. Hmm. Amen. And here, and here we have it in verse 22. And they listened to him until this word. 
Once he got to this portion of his testimony, they're ready to strangle him. And then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth. Other words, scholar, kill him. He needs to die and he needs to die right now. They didn't have due process of law. The Romans was the ones who had due process of law. Because remember what the Romans said? And even, well, actually the Jews did, but they, these are common people. So the religious leaders let the common people have Paul. Because remember what Nicodemus said? It is not customary for us to try someone without first listening to him. The Romans had the same thing. That's where we got our law system from the Romans. It's called the adversary law system. Okay? And so, I don't want to get too much on the law side because you have substantive law and then you have due process law. Okay? That's a whole new, new thing. Ah! That's because I know this thing because I used to teach criminal law for Central Texas College. But anyway, here now... If you, the government, don't want to be responsible for someone's death and the religious leader represented the government of Israel, what do you do? You turn them over in the hands of the people. And if the people kill him, the government can say, we didn't kill him. You did. Right? In other words, our hands is what? Free. It's innocent of this man's blood. You killed him. And so... What's going on now? So they said he should die, for he is not fit to live. Woo! Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust into the air. Uh, let's stop there for a minute. Anybody know what that's a sign of? When they tear their clothes. Say it again, sister. Morning. A sign of mourning. In other words, you're dead to them. And throw dust in the air, or if they didn't have dust, they would use ashes from the fire. Okay, that's why they said they mourned with sackcloth. In other words, they took off their good garments and put on sackcloth and took ashes and threw it up on their heads as a sign of the person is dead to them. Okay? And another sign was when a person tear their clothes, they just rip you out of their what? Life. Okay? They just ripped him out of the nation of Israel. Say, we don't want anything else to do with this man. Kill him. It's good to us as death. Wow. And so the commander ordered him to be what? Be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined on the scourging. Well, what is what is that? What 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 does that mean to scourge someone? Uh, did that not happen to our Lord? Did Pilate order Jesus, who was innocent? Do you see a parallelism here with the Apostle Paul and of Jesus? Both men are what innocent at this point. Of course, Jesus was always innocent. Paul became innocent when he accepted Jesus. Yes, and so he's doing the Lord's work. He hadn't he hadn't done anything wrong to his Jewish uh, brothers and sisters. And so now the Roman soldier, uh, Rome, Rome loved to whip butt. 
Now just face it, okay? You mess up wrong, you're going to get your butt whipped. Okay? And so they said, scourge him first, and then let's see if he's going to tell the truth. So, without getting too far into that, or into depth with scourging, it says, so that he might know why they shouted so against them. Uh, you mean to him, you got to beat me half to death in order for me to understand why this crowd want to kill me? I think I already know why this crowd want to kill me. They want to kill me because I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't need you to beat me to know that. So, but they have a weird way of thinking, didn't they? And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by. Now, here's the cleverness of the apostle Paul. Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? Um. Even though the Roman army was oppressive, if you was innocent, and even if you were guilty, they did try to give you a fair what? Trial. Trial. And so Paul knew that as a Roman citizen, that bought him what? That bought him time. And it also bought him what? Protection. That means those Roman soldiers now was obligated to do what? Protect him. And not only that, they got to find some facts out first before they lay a hand on what? On a Roman citizen, because that meant that they would not just get in trouble, people. They would be executed for hurting a Roman citizen without cause. See how but God showed them what he's doing, don't he? <laughs> Man, it's it. This is something else. I'm looking at this going, go, Jesus, go, Jesus. But the Jews can't do anything because God is in command here. So, watch this now. When the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander, saying, take care what you do, for this man is a Roman. What? Then the commander came, oh, no, notice this now, Junior. The commander himself now is what? Yeah. He's there. Came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman? He said, yes. The commander answered, with a large sum of money, a sum, I obtained the citizenship. So the, 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 the questions are being answered, even the Roman Commander knows how he got his citizenship. He bought it. Okay? And now, he goes on to say, and Paul said, but I was born a citizen. Paul said, I didn't have to buy my citizenship. I was born a Roman citizen. Why? By being born in a Roman controlled area. Okay? A land that was born, that, that belonged to Rome, Roman territory. Paul said by birth, it's just like you and I, we're United States citizens because we are what? Born here. We're, we're by birth U.S. citizens. We're not what they call naturalized, born abroad to U.S. parents. If my daughter Melissa would have been born in Germany when my wife got pregnant with her there, and then I have nothing to do with that part. Oh, better stop preaching. <laughs> anyway, 
She would have been a both a German citizen and a naturalized U.S. citizen because she was born to U.S. citizens abroad. Okay, and as a recruiter, you start to understand that stuff from the State Department because we used to have to put people in from other countries. So we had to understand how all that citizenship stuff worked. And now, look at this. As we close out here, then immediately those who were about to examine him withdrew from him. <laughs> what, what's the matter? <laughs> Is he now not good enough to beat? <laughs> he was like the blue, having a blue-blinded plague, right? They fast-tracked away from that brother. Whoa! Stand back! Why? Because they knew the penalty of putting their hands on a Roman citizen without first giving them a trial and him being found what? Guilty. Do you see God's hand all over this now? Watch this. And Paul, he's smart now. He know how to play this thing. So, they withdrew from him, and the commander was also, what? Afraid. After he found out that he was a Roman, and because he had, what? Bound him. Wow. I wish our police would get like that. At least some of them. Not all of them violate your rights. Amen. But once they figured out the status of this man, Paul now had the protection of the Roman government because the Roman army represented the emperor. Okay? So God used his enemy to protect his son. That Jesus is something else. I tell you, I, I can only imagine how Jesus sitting in heaven and, and, and he got the, the board of life. Y'all follow me for a second. And on the board of life, there's Paul and there's the Israelites and here's the Roman army. And God just made his next move. And he just said to his own people, checkmate. <laughs> You're not touching my son. Hello. You're not touching my son. Uh, can you imagine now Jesus Christ from heaven doing that for you and for me? Do you understand how valuable your life is? Do you understand when God gives you a mission, not even you can stop the mission? Do you understand no matter how many things come against you or how much the devil attacks you, the mission cannot be stopped? Amen. Because it's been ordained by God, illustrated by the Lord Jesus Christ, not illustrated, but orchestrated by Jesus himself, and powered by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And when the Spirit of God is at work, can no one stop what God has called you to do? Yeah, that's right. And this brother is about to be on his way to Rome. Who's in Rome, everybody? The emperor. Caesar is in Rome. Guess who, I'm going to fast track a little bit, but we'll cover it. Guess who's going to appear before King Agrippa 
and the emperor. Paul is. Just as Jesus said so. Are you hearing me? Amen. It may have been an ugly situation starting out to get him there. But there was a reason why Jesus wanted Paul in Rome. Not because the letter that Paul wrote the Romans, that's not the reason. The reason was so that when King Agrippa and the emperor stand before God on the day of judgment, they can't say that they did not hear the gospel. That's why Paul is going to Rome. God through Jesus said, for God to love the world, folks that included the emperor, that included the king, it included Barack Obama, it included Donald Trump, it included Castro. What's the name for Dale Castro who just passed a couple of days ago? And it includes Vladimir Putin and all the other national leaders around the world. And it includes you and it includes me. And nothing on this earth can stop it. And we can see Satan backing the Jews all the way. And the Romans would have beat Paul to pieces had God not allowed this man to become a Roman citizen. God had planned this thing out long before Paul, excuse me, was born. Remember in his letter in Romans 8, chapter uh, chapter 8, verse 29, whom God foreknew, he also did what? Predestined. What does that mean? He laid their lives out long before they was created. So God said, I knew you and planned your life out long before I created you. And you're wondering why, oh God, what is your will for my life? What, what, what? His what for your what? What is his will for your life? Are you kidding me? Asking God that? There's only one purpose why everything exists, and that is to be the witness of Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know what God will is for my life. I'm still seeking the Lord. No, you're still walking in the flesh. Hello. You're still walking in the flesh. Because every disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be a lifelong witness of Jesus Christ. So don't tell me. And all this junk up here. You see this right here? This is nothing when it comes to the gospel. Nothing. This does not make you. Jesus does. I know I got a little radical today. Don't worry about it, baby. I'll pick them up. They belong to me. This is who you supposed to be. A witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? And him and him alone. And if he has to use you as a nurse, as a cook, as a probation officer, no matter what it is, a piano player, it doesn't matter. 
If that's the avenue that he chose to use you to speak about him, then my God, that's what he's going to do. And nobody is going to stop you. And the problem with our country is we've taken too much stock in man. This is man-made. This isn't. This is from the earth. And this is from heaven. Are you hearing me now? So Jesus called you to be his witness, just like he did Paul. And even facing death, that man was facing imminent death that day. And God had already planned it out that that man was not going to die that day and folks it will be a few years down the road before he dies are y'all hearing me are you actually listening kids what Jesus has called you to do for him you don't have to go to a college or university to do it but if that's the way God wants you to go to get there then that's the way you're going to go. Why? Because whom he foreknew, he also did what? Predestined, predetermined, predesignated, preordered your life. Laid it out. So, okay, Scholar, Scholar Smith, this is what I want you to do, and this is the road you're going to travel to get there. And this is what you're going to do along the way for me. You're going to travel down that highway and you're going to live in that color house and you're going to be married to this wife and you're going to have this many children and you're going to have this kind of job and yet you're going to speak to people about me. And we have a tendency grown folks in here to forget that. Remember the story I told you all, Miss Vicky, about the old man that said when I was walking home one day, when I was a boy by the age of Aiden, he said, son, wait a minute. He said, I'm going to your house with you. And that old man named Mr. Robinson could half see. And an old man walked that half a mile to my house down that dirt road with me and Archer. And he looked at my mama. My mama was called tiny because Tamara, she was shorter than you. And he told my mama, because my mother was abusive to me. And he said, Tiny, God said, take your hands off his child. This boy has been chosen by God. And I'm standing there. You think I knew what that meant as eight and age? No. Well, I know. I was just a Popeye dumb kid. Okay? With fat cheeks. Boy, I had some fat cheeks back in them days. Just like Aiden. Okay? And my mother stood there speechless. She couldn't say anything. Other words, I seen tears come up in her eyes. She knew that God was speaking. And that old lady backed off of me. And I'm standing here before you today 
as God's chosen one. And have I always been the perfect kid, the perfect preacher? No. But the blood of Jesus is sufficient to wash away all of my sins. And God's grace is keeping me. Just like it did Paul on that day in Jerusalem in the temple complex. When the Roman soldiers had to surround him. I don't know your situation today. I don't know your lifestyle. I don't know what you think about when you lay down at night. I know I love you all. I know that you love me. We know where each other live. And we get on each other's nerves sometimes. But I don't know what troubles your heart at night. I don't know what your ambitions are. I don't know what your goals are. You know, and the things that you want to achieve in life. I don't know what the Lord Jesus Christ has said to you personally in your heart, but you know. You know, every one of you here know exactly what God wants you to do. I'm talking to the older ones now. The babies, he's molding you and shaping you now. He's going to get you. He's going to tell you what he wants you to do. You're going to understand that calling too. But every one of your adults sitting here and your older children already know what the Lord Jesus Christ want you to do. Every one of you. And just as Paul has some adversities in his day, you got some in your day. Well, there was a sickness and the Lord God turned it into something else. Because he knew that he did not want that to be a stumbling block to you. Or sustaining your life as it is. Because he didn't want that to be a stumbling block. Or give you the courage to get up and sing. Who didn't used to get in front of people and sing. Or whatever it is that you, God has called you to do. You already know the calling. Just like that man received his calling that day in Damascus. He knew when Jesus told him. He said arise. Go into the city. Go into Damascus and you will meet one named Ananias. There are many Ananias that have come to you over the years and have told you, thus said the Lord Jesus Christ. And for the most part, you go, mm-hmm. He ain't told me yet. He doesn't have to necessarily tell you directly. He tell other people to tell you. Isn't this a classic example of that? Ananias told Paul, Exactly what Jesus told him to tell him. You are my chosen vessel, Paul, and you're going to speak to Gentiles. You're going to speak to kings. You're going to speak to rulers. And as we get ready to close out to go home, I was the dumbest kid in my class, Junior. All the way through elementary school, all the way through high school. I failed the test the first time I took it to get in the army. Not really failed it, but I think I scored so low. And then when I took it again, I only scored like four points higher. I was not a bright kid. And I remember, I'm going to testify just for a moment, and we'll close out in prayer. I remember going to my elementary school principal named Mr. Tomlins. And we didn't like him anyway, because he had this one finger that was always pointing at you. I don't know why. And we made fun of the man that each time he talked, his stomach would go up. And so we would laugh at him, right? 
and they smoked these skinny cigarettes and they were stinking. And so I knew I was having trouble. So I went to Mr. Tom and I dropped my pride at the age of 17 and I said, Mr. Tom, I want to join the army, but I don't think I can pass the test. He said, oh, yes, you can. I said, no, I can't. He said, well, let's sit down and see what you know. And he wrote out some things that he knew was on the test. And I go, ah, this, this. And he goes, nope, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. This is how you do it. And I went in there, took the test and passed it. But I wanted to get higher. So I went back 30 days later and took it again. Scored a few points higher. But I scored higher enough to get in the Army. And I went into the Army at 17 years old. You have always been smarter than me. You have always been smarter than me. The things you know now, I didn't even know until I got in college. And when I was in basic training, the second or third week, the drill sergeant came and got me and said, Private Nelson, come with me. I said, yes, drill sergeant. I said, where are we going? He said, you're going to take a test. So we're going to take a test. I said, what are we going to take a test for? He said, this test will determine whether or not you stay in the United States Army. Because I had scored so low on the test to get in, they didn't think I was, I had enough literacy to learn the job that the Army was getting ready to send me into. Because I scored high on electronic parts. My IQ was low. And so everybody listen to me. I know it's time, it's hot in here, it's time to go home, but I'm testifying to you what, what, what when God has a plan, can't nothing stop it. Because I went in there and I took that test and I guess I passed it because they kept me in the army. That's right. And I went through the class, I went through the, the missile program, passed at the top of my class. I mean, to me it was easy because once I was identified, once somebody teach me, I can learn it. But I didn't have anybody in school. My mom only went to the third grade, so she couldn't help me. And you know what happened, Junior? I get to my new unit in Germany, my first sergeant said, I'm gonna send you to school for six weeks. And all you're gonna do is school work for six weeks. He said, don't let me down. So okay. He shipped my butt out two hours to the south of where we were. And there I stayed for six hours. I mean, uh, six weeks, five days a week. Learning English, math, science, and all kind of school stuff. And at the end of that six week, I'll never forget that Friday morning, they gave us the ASVAB over. So I went in, and I think I was probably the first one to finish it. I don't know. Because if I know something, I know it. If I don't, I know. And then I went back to my unit, and about three or four weeks passed, and my first sergeant called me in his office and said, Nelson, come here. Yes, first sergeant. He said, this colonel been trying to get a hold of you. Why does a colonel want to talk with you? I don't know. Did you get in trouble? No, first sergeant. Because I was honorary like Matthew. Okay? And uh, <laughs> Matthew, face the facts. I was. I was just like you, man. Y'all ready to hear the rest of the story? This testimony? Or y'all want to go home? Oh, y'all said, half said, I want to go home. Believe this, they lying in church. <laughs> anyway. My first sergeant called the colonel. Then my first sergeant called me back in his office and said, Nelson! Well, uh-oh. Yes, first sergeant? 
Come here, boy. I walk in his office. Because the first sergeant is the top enlisted guy in the unit. And when he calls you, you don't mess around. That's first sergeant. Congratulations, son. What? <laughs> Congratulations. You didn't let me down. Uh, first of all, what are you congratulating me for? Of all the students, the colonel called and said, of all the students that took the ASVAB test, that went through that program, you scored the highest. Going, what? And here are your test scores, Nelson, and I about fainted. I scored your high score high enough for an appointment to West Point. How high was it? High. Super high? Yes. As high as his booty? And you know what? I qualify for any job I wanted in the Army. So, I remember praying to God. I said, Lord, if you open my mind to learn and give me an education, I promise to use it for your glory. Do you think maybe he answered that prayer, y'all? <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. And so that's why I tell you, these don't make you. He does. Amen? And just as God had used my life to get me into positions so that I can end up going to the number one seminary in the country, Columbia International University was voted the top seminary in the country when I attended it. They called us in the auditory in the chapel and they, they read the certificate. Beat out Dallas Theological Seminary, beat out Emory, I mean Emory beat out Duke, beat out Princeton, all these powerful house seminaries. Our little school beat them out. And I was a student there. Now, I'm going, this little dumb boy from Archer, look what God did. And I gave our school president, Dr. Murray, my testimony. He going, wow, and look where you are now. And when I graduated, I graduated with such a high GPA. When I applied for the doctoral program, I didn't have to take the GRE. Getting that, Jesus? So God plans with what? At work. And one professor gave me a B plus in one of my doctoral classes. Other than that, I would have graduated with a 4.0 in my doctoral studies. I cried to her, go, oh my God. My wife said, God didn't want you to have 4.0, so shut your mouth. <laughs> okay, kept me humble, right? All right, everybody, that's just me giving you a little bit of my testimony because that opened doors. I went to New Orleans, the Southern Baptist top seminary, and I graduated with grades like that. And I had a fellowship to Oxford University my last semester at New Orleans. I didn't tell you all that, did I? And my wife, you knew it, right? And my wife said, what are you going to do, honey? I said, I'm not going to school anymore. I'm finished. I'm tired. Let no leaving y'all going to England for a semester. I'm not going. She going, this once in a lifetime. I said, I know, babe. I can show you the letter. Now, that's the boy that failed the test to get in the Army. 
So I was using that as in a parallelism to talk to you about the Apostle Paul, that when God has something for you to do, it's going to come to pass. And since God has educated me over the years, I have powerful educated men and women come to me and talk to me about Jesus on their high intellectual level. And I just sit and talk to them and I go, okay, now you ready to hear the truth? It's very simple. <laughs> What's that? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Amen, Amen everybody? Amen. So it really is a simple thing. And I thank God for this baby, CJ, that got it when he told that news reporter Thursday, he said, I'm thankful for God. <laughs> okay? Stung that little sister. But that's the kind of testimony Jesus wants you to have for him. Amen? So every head bow. I want you to think about can you stand firm like Paul did? And give your testimony because he talked about his conversion and what Lord Jesus did for him. That five year old told news reporter, so telling the world, and in one short phrase, I'm thankful for God. That's powerful. Some of his own pastor didn't do, and I'm ashamed of it. But, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your sons and your daughters here. I pray for them, O oh God, that your spirit will be moving with them. And Lord Jesus, that we will all recognize on that day when the Holy Spirit deliver us from the hands of our enemies, will help us to be solid witness for Christ. Thank you, Lord, that young Aurora's life was that. She was a powerful witness for you. Now she's seeing you face to face. Because that's where all of us want to be someday. Now, Lord, until we meet again, Give us that opportunity to share your gospel with someone that's lost. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.